We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you uh, in the new year, a new year in which the Knicks are undefeated and thus certainly going to win the 2023 NBA championship. Mm. Probably we shouldn't even stop there. I mean, we haven't had a good dynasty or true dynasty in a while. I don't consider the Warriors a true dynasty. We have to go back to the Bulls. So what do you think, Benji? Six, seven and nine years, maybe? I think it, if we go undefeated in 2023... That would be its own dynasty. If you don't lose a game in a calendar year, I think that's better than seven and nine. (laughs) This is a great way to start the conversation. We're on our way. Benji Ritholtz, ladies and gentlemen. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, John. I'm doing great. Happy to be here um, off the the heels of a win in a positive headspace. We go on long win streaks. We go on long losing streaks. 500 is a magnet. But here we are one game over as I as I come here to speak with you. Very excited. Um, I was just wrapping up uh, Wednesday's newsletter and I have my little game preview section for their game against the Spurs. And in the bottom of the game preview section, I sometimes put like what to watch out for, what to look for. And I was like, how about don't lose to the worst team in the league twice in a week? How about that? That's a thing to look for. Yeah, that would be very worrisome. If they lost the Spurs, there's a, yeah. it's a, there's a weird amount of pressure in this game because there really is can't, you really can't lose twice to the Spurs. You yeah. really can't. Um, you can kind of excuse the Dallas hangover game where they just got walloped. Um, I don't know, excuse is maybe too strong a word, but you can understand it at least. Yeah. Uh, but you lose twice, you got to start asking yourself some questions <laughs> about, about what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and like you commented, I think on the Spurs game correctly so and i don't know if anybody thought you were like being apologetic i certainly didn't think you were because i thought it was genuinely for as for as bad a matchup as the worst team in the league at least by mm-hmm. net rating that's what they are can be for a, an opponent that is trying to make the playoffs um i think the spurs were and like you know take away brunson take away rj and i think taking away rj given just that he was another big body to get theoretically in front of some of those spurs big bodies i you know i think 
you know, should they have lost the game? No. Did the Dallas game matter in terms of like their probably competitive spirit? Maybe a little bit, but like, I don't know. I wasn't, um, I wasn't apoplectic after that one. I'll say that. No, I agree. I mean, the, the talent disparity isn't as great as you think it is when you take away two of, you know, the top four or five players, three players on, on the Knicks. And then, Ooh, you just gave us our first discussion topic. Keep going. And then, <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And then after the Dallas game and on the road, it all kind of made sense. It was kind of, it wasn't all that surprising, even if it was disappointing, but yeah, you got to win. You got to win this one. It's a must. Uh, yeah, no, it is a must. And um, yeah, I want to, I want to spend uh, not the, maybe the majority of our time, but I want to spend at least a, a good couple of minutes on Randall's all-star candidacy. And I think at this point, Randall's all-star candidacy, I'm going to pull up the, the old NBA standings right now. I think at some like to some extent, it is. I don't say it's tied to where the Knicks are. So as as we sit here and record this, and I think they're who's playing tonight. We're recording this before any game start tonight. Um, but there are three games tonight, um, including one involving actually no nothing that really involves the Knicks because like the Bucks are far enough ahead and the Wizards are far enough back and um, yeah, so nothing that affects the Knicks, but like. So right now, the Knicks find themselves in this little three-team grouping with um, the Pacers, who we were talking about before we started recording, um, and the Heat. Um, one team that was supposed to be a lot better than the Knicks, and one team that was supposed to be a lot worse than the Knicks. And then they're, uh, I would say, a, not a comfortable distance ahead, but they're, a, you know, they have some breathing room between uh, themselves and then the four teams in back of them, the Hawks, the Wizards, the Bulls, and the Raptors, there are players from each of those teams that I just mentioned, Hawks, Wizards, Bulls, Raptors, that I think will have legitimate all-star candidacies um, in no particular order. And let me know if you think I'm missing anybody. Pascal Siakam. Well, actually, no, I am going in order because he would be number one on my list uh, yes. of those. Well, yeah. Okay. You agree with that. Um, now in no particular order, DeMar DeRozan, Trey Young, and... Pick your wizard. Um, Bradley Beal, I believe, as of the time of this recording, has played in 23 games. Um, and he's going to be out for, it seems like, another little bit. Um, the big dude who we used to spend some time rooting for here in these parts is making a case. Yep. Um, let's start there. Because I feel like if Randall gets in, he's going to have to get in over... Maybe, maybe not all of them, because I think Siakam could probably get in and Randall could also get in. But how do you feel about let's start there? How do you feel about Randall versus those names that I just mentioned? Any any thoughts that come to mind? Yeah, I think with Randall, one of the things you have to. I think gives him an edge is how many games and minutes he's played. And especially when you start comparing him to guys like Beal um, and even Porzingis, um, I think that has to play a pretty significant factor. And with the Wizards guys also, we're talking about, you know, a decent gap in the standings, hopefully as well. Um, I don't, I I think Randall's case is better than the two Wizards. Uh, And I would say the same for DeRozan, um, who I think is having a really great year again. Like, and, and is, I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks saw it firsthand, the crunch time, 
uh, abilities that he has to get a shot off anytime he wants and what he does for that offense. But I, again, with the standings, and I don't think the, the Randall's statistical profile, and this is something we should talk about. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into the statistical it, profile. It, it's not, I think in years past, it was almost like, look, I, I remember this conversation going on two years ago. It was like Randall, like efficiency wise, doesn't compare to most of these potential all-stars, but look how much he does for this team and they're playing so well. And like, he's a one man show on offense. And so he's the guy, right? I remember that conversation taking place when I thought his efficiency numbers really didn't compare to most all-stars. He was below the 50th percentile for, for bigs, at least that's what cleaning the glass graded him out as. Right. Right. We got to talk to cleaning. We got to talk to Ben Falk about them changing him to a forward this year and messing up his weird. Yeah. yeah, His percentiles are all messed up. Yeah. Throwing me off. Um, But regardless, his to, now he's been he's been pretty efficient, like really efficient this year. I mean, in some ways more efficient than he's ever been. Yeah. Um, and so with that and then understanding what he does for the team on offense, especially with the last couple of weeks from Brunson was out and RJ was out um, If again. And part of it does depend on them winning some more games. But I feel pretty strongly about his case over the Wizards and over DeRozan. How do you feel? So- Beal has played, I was correct. Beal has played 23 games. Um, Porzingis has played 34 games. Um, the advanced numbers for Porzingis, at least, are are pretty good. Um, just again, it's not the be all end all, but like if you if you look at Porzingis as it compares as he compares to other East candidates. Um, in terms of the three statistics I always like to look at because they're just all right there on basketball reference for you are win shares, box plus minus, and value over replacement player, which I should say one skews it favors big guys for sure. All of those do, some more than others, but they all generally favor big guys. Um, and two, if you if your team performs better with you on the floor than with you off, you're generally gonna fare very well in those. Like th- those are definitely the two places that excuse it skews towards. Um, that said, um, Porzingis is amongst all NBA players. If you look at all of those statistics, he's right around 24. He's literally 23, 24 and 25 in those, in those three, three stats, uh, value of replacement box plus minus and win shares. Randall is higher. He's 11th, 20th and 13th respectively in those. So he has Porzingis beat out. He's a better his team is much better than Porzingis. Um, Porzingis has played a decent amount of games, but like I would agree with you, beats out Porzingis, beats out Beal because of the games played and because, again, the Wizards are, are not that great. DeRozan, I mean, he's been, I think DeRozan has missed a game or two games. Uh, he's played 37. Yeah, he's played. No, yeah, he's been out there. He, he's scoring a ton of points. The Bulls are not good. I mean... Part of that is I'm, I I don't watch enough of them to know this for a fact, but I would imagine DeRose's defensive issues are part of why they are they are struggling. Although I think more to the point, it's like that th- something is just not working there, right? I now. think DeRozan plus Levine def- and Vucevic, yes, <laughs> which was always yeah. like when they made the trade, it was like, hello, <laughs> your your three best players are bad defensively. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> they tried to surround. In fairness, they tried to surround them with Caruso, Lonzo. Yep. Uh, and Io, some like really good defenders. And I think at times last year that really worked and they could cover up and mask some of the deficiencies. And this year with Lonzo being out, um, 
and Caruso missing some time that obviously took its toll. But yeah, he's yeah. bad defensively. But look, I mean, that's you know, we also can't uh, ignore Julius's first uh, uh, 20, 20, def- 20 games defensively that were a train 20 wreck. some odd. Yeah, that were a train wreck. So I do want to be fair and objective about it. I wouldn't say Julius has been a positive contributor on the defensive end, though I will say his rebounding, especially in the last two, three weeks, is provide something that DeRozan cannot, will not, you know, that's a different skill set that he brings. It's very valuable. I couldn't believe it. His, uh, his 16 defensive rebounds against the Suns tied his second highest total of his career for defensive boards. You watch that game, the first, so if you rewind to game one against the Suns, Torrey Craig destroyed him on the offensive glass because he was just, and this was that stretch of games where Randall just couldn't be bothered to box anybody out or pay any nope. attention. So nope. Craig was just running circles around him and grabbing rebounds. And the first two possessions of the Suns game uh, uh, yesterday, was it yesterday, Sunday, whatever it was. Two days ago, whatever. Two days yeah, ago. no, yesterday, yeah. Craig yesterday. got two boards on the offensive glass. And I'm like, here we freaking go again. And then literally the next three possessions, Randall like put a body on and made a concerted effort. And then he ends up with the 16 rebounds. That, I'm sorry, that fucking first Suns game, it is was so emblematic of just how wild this season because you had <laughs> Randall not giving any of any shits. Yeah. And then he went to Denver and it's like he got injected with some sort of serum. Not even it before the game. It was at halftime. Uh, he was in he the altitude. He found like religion up there or something. I don't know what <laughs> happened. That fourth quarter, he like he was on the floor like twelve times, diving for loose balls. It was like, unreal. What the, hell, then, what the hell is this? Who is this? The, I didn't know. Who was. <laughs> and then the Suns game was was I forget if the Suns game was the next game or the Warriors game was the next game. Whatever. It it was very close in time. And then it was like right back to where we were. But now we've you know knock on wood. It seems like this version of Randall. And this level of of consistency and intensity and execution on the defensive end, which is more than I think it's more than passable. Would you agree with what we're seeing from him now is, is passable? Yeah, it's passable. I, I think he's always going to struggle to recover, to, to help and recover on stretch fours, which is basically the whole league now. Yep. Um, and it's always going to be a weakness of his. I think they've generally had him switching more. And, you know, we talked about inertia and all that stuff. I, I feel like yep. just be, forcing him to be active brings out the best in him defensively. And I think we've definitely seen that with pretty much right when they started switching him more, I feel like his defensive effort, defensive execution has improved. Um, he'll never be a great defensive player, but I think we're getting close to the most that we can ask for, especially with the load he's carrying on offense. I'm happy you ended with those two caveats for what we can reasonably ask for. And given the load on offense and it's like, you know, I'm sure there's, some folks listening that are hearing that and be like, well, why doesn't he do less on the offensive end and, and inject more effort into his defensive? Like they feel like they kind of need what everything, not maybe not everything he's doing on offense, but don't can we have that conversation real quick because he's doing a lot, but man, it sure seems to be very effective at the moment. Well, look, uh, obviously when Brunson and RJ are out, like who else is going to soak up well, that usage? Like it's yes. been quickly and Randall. There's only two guys that can dribble on the team. <laughs> So those two guys are going to do a lot of work. Like, no, it's it's kind. Like, you, it is what it is. You beat around. There's not any much <laughs> that you will beat around. There's no foliage, no. which I beat around. Um, um, yeah. But that said, his usage is down this year. Um, it's down from two years ago. Last year was 29.6%. This year it's 27%. And that's, yeah. I think, mostly a Brunson effect. Yes. Um, but I think that's great. 
And I think it's manifested in great ways that have totally changed this player. Like his turnover percentage is the lowest of his career. Can I give you a, a quick stat on that? Please. His first, the first half of the season, uh, for, give or take a game, I have it in, in uh, Wednesday's newsletter, even assist to turnover ratio, three assists per game, three turnovers per game. Since then, it's better than two to one. And over the last six games, it's like five assists to like 1.7 turnovers. It's consistently been getting better and better and better all season long. Right. You love that. And I, I think he's, he's reading the game at a level now. He made some passes uh, against Phoenix that were, and against, and against uh, Houston. But Houston, you, man, uh, Houston's Houston. But like Phoenix, you know, they have very competent, good defensive players out there. Like yeah. all of them, really. They're a really good defensive team, even now. And we've seen when they double him strong on that, you know, when, when they double him and force him to the perimeter with a double team, he's really struggled to make the read. And now he just seems to be slowing things down when he found Mitch instead, he, he kind of faked towards the corner shooter, faked the oh, shot, I love that. and then yeah. found Mitch, which is something he never did last year. Like just decision-making is better. I think a little bit less usage has been healthy for him. He's been assisted now on 10% more of his rim shots. That's a huge increase. Like he's cutting more, which he was the literally the, one of the least frequent cutters in the league last year. That numbers come not that he's like a high frequency cutter now, but it's gone way up. And how many times have we seen off Brunson drives, Randall sneaking into the paint, and getting layups, even off when Grimes attacks closeout, we've seen Julius leak in for a cut. And even though it's kind of counterintuitively cramping up the spacing it's so good for the, it's so healthy for this offense to get randall moving off the ball 10 percent more of his rim, shot, rim shots are assisted that's a huge number well and as and as a consequence right his his rim field goal percentage is way up yep. his two-point percentage is way up and that's also a function of cutting out long mid-range shots which we all knew he should do um and then the three-point volume has just skyrocketed and even though he's no great point shooter eliminating the long twos being Less hesitant about his threes, the man is literally throwing him up like like as if he's uh, Ray Allen. I mean, he's hold, just hold, shooting him. Hold that thought. Uh, going back to the Brunson point real quick. Last yes. season, there was not a single player on the Knicks who had more than 50 assists to Julius Randle. The leader was Evan Fournier, assisted uh, Randle on 47 made field goals. After that, Burks 43, Kemba 43, RJ 43, and then you go down to like quickly it was 22 and, and down from there. Already this season, Jalen Brunson has assisted Julius Randle on 70 made wow. field goals. Yeah. Um, so, Man, that's an incredible stat. Uh, if Wait for the next one. Um, Benjamin Holtz, as we are recording this, I think no games have tipped off yet tonight, and even if I if I looked at the stat correctly, I don't think anybody who plays tonight is going to, uh, to impact this. You want to guess which NBA player has attempted the most three point field goals since November 29th in the NBA. (laughs) The most in fairness, Steph Curry has been hurt. He has been hurt. Uh, but but I assume it's Julius Randall. That is number one. Yeah. That's that's actually insane. That's nuts. And he's and over that stretch, he's hitting them at 36%, which like if that's the volume, 36%, oh my God, we're just sign me up. And he's mostly cut out the step back threes, except for end of quarter, which 
someone needs to explain to me who is mentioning to him that he never has made one of those in his entire career. And yet, nobody, it's, the answer it's, is nobody. Is it's the it. end <laughs> of every quarter is a step back three, like shoot me in the head. But yeah. he's mostly cut those out. It's a lot of catch and shoot. He's not hesitating. Last year was so hesitant to shoot those. And I think, First of all, it makes it opens everything up because you know he's gonna take it. Like this is something that people talked about a lot with like Jay Crowder, who was never a great three point shooter, but was never hesitant to shoot. And the way that that creates spacing in and of itself, the, the willingness to shoot with no hesitation, smart too, creates Marcus spacing. Smart. Marcus Smart is another one. Yep, like that is valuable val- volume in and of itself. Assuming it's not awful efficiency, is valuable. Like and and you've seen that, and they're mostly good shots. And the other thing about it is, like, again, with the limitations in this offense, how many times last year did we see Julius pump fake out of a three and then end up with a worse shot? So, like, it's not just – it could be, yes, that, that if Julius catches with 13 on the shot clock, a pretty open catch and shoot three, let's say the chances of it going in are truly 35%. Like, regardless, what they could get after that is not going to get any better. Like it's kind of a weird way to look at a possession, but it's true. Like, okay, so Julius pump fakes out of that. What do you transition into that's going to get you a better look than his thirty six percent three point shot? Probably nothing. <laughs> like it is what it is. So, to me, it's been a success. And I and one more thing I'll add is making sure you get shots up. You're not turning the ball over, and then the Knicks offensive rebounders get involved, and they're yes. elite at it. So you got to get shots up if you're in the Knicks. And they get a lot of long rebounds off of the misses. Sometimes Julius clanks them. And there's Mitchell Robinson skying at him. Like, so I think in a lot of ways, it's just, it's spruced up this offense. It's, it's given it a little bit more flow, a little bit. It's made more sense, the volume. That's really absurd volume to say he's been the most it's, frequent shooter in the league. I, I but hey, it's working. It I saw it. Yeah. It's no, working. It, it is working. And um, look, the numbers bear that out. The Knicks have had a top five offense for well, more than a month now, which yeah. again, talk about things that. I did not think that I was going to say uh, before the season started. The offense, really good. So uh, let's go back to that. So then, so now here's an interesting, interesting comp. Talk about the the volume is the most important thing. Um, there is a player down in Atlanta. He's not he's not shooting as many uh, threes as, as Julius Randle this season, believe it or not. But he's still firing him up, only hitting him at a thirty one percent clip, only shooting forty one percent overall. Um, and of course, I'm talking about Trey Young. Trey Young is the biggest name. Putting Kyrie aside, we're going to talk about Kyrie, maybe, or maybe we won't. We could just skip over him. Kyrie's got to make it. I, I agree. I, and as much as I personally dislike the man, he's going to make it. And he probably and, deserves it. And the team's been so, so good. And he is so, so good that I think he's going to be on. He's the second best player on the second best team. Yeah, and and he's been really great. So I, that's you know, yeah. what it is. <laughs> it is, what, yeah, it is what it is. Let's move on. Yeah. So putting that aside, the biggest name player who people are going to look at and be like, oh, it's this guy. He, he's an all star. Is Trey Young? The record is not good. He, I mean, it's deep enough into the season where you just, I mean, the numbers are what the numbers are. They're not. I mean, they're they're not good. He's shooting again, forty one percent overall and thirty one percent from three. He's still, you know, whatever he is. He's, I mean, he's leading the or he's, excuse me, he's third in the Eastern Conference in assists after two guys who, um, again, have one has an. I, I would say, a, I think Halliburton's an all star. I, I, I do too. I, I don't think that's a conversation. The Harden thing is more interesting, um, only because he's only played twenty one games. Now, if the Sixers keep winning. 
and he keeps playing. I, I, I don't yeah. really know what you do with that. Maybe it won't matter to he's Randall. Make and, it. <laughs> you think he's going to make it? He's going to make it. The name, the success of the team, the popularity, the resume. Yeah. Like, I, I guess there are two separate discussions, obviously, whether like who should make it and who's going to make it. Um, and I think Harden and Kyrie are perfect. Like those guys are just going to make the team, um, whether or not they deserve it. I do think Kyrie deserves it for sure. Um, Harden is a, yeah, that's a, that's a few games. I mean, that's the Beal, that's, a, that's lower than Beal's, but obviously the team has been so good for the stretch here. 22 and 11, 44% overall, 37% from three. Obviously, his degree of difficulty on threes is, is up there. Um, and, and it's the passing. I mean, it's, yeah. he's, he's controlling that offense right now. I mean, he's been great. Um, he has. You know, going back to Trey Young for a second. So, like, what? That's, yeah, that's the more, <laughs> put so, Harden aside for a second. That's the more interesting conversation. Yeah. So, Julius Randle has gone up. They've actually had the inverse from so Julius went from right so so cleaning the glass has this um, points per shot attempt so and it's per 100 possessions stat right so Julius has gone up 20 points per 100 possessions <laughs> points per shot attempt from 101 to 120 that's insane which is really insane and Trey I want to double check this yep the exact inverse has gone from 121.1 last year to 110.6 this year so he's gone down 10 percent. Uh, 10 points. Um, so like he's having a, ter- a horrific year of, in terms of a f- shooting efficiency. Uh, you know, I want to temper it a little bit because he's still a very dangerous offensive player. But I, to me, you got to have a baseline of like efficiency. Uh, he's really been terrible in that way. And I, I don't really considering where the team is. I don't feel any trying to put my biases aside like i do you think Trae oh we young, hate trey young Let's, and we hate trey young but like do we, <laughs> we hate like, do you, i don't want to get sidetracked but like did you watch that game last night late it was really on really late so some of the yeah. decisions that he i mean the man spent the entire stretch run the entire stretch run trying to draw fouls he did not actually attempt a normal shot this is the warriors for anybody except who for like a 40 footer that made no sense yeah. like the decision making was outrageous and he got a lot of, he got to the line a lot, of course, cause whatever, but I don't know. I feel like that that's a really, I mean, you got, I don't know who's the, who, who's the last all-star to be that inefficient. I wonder. Well, and it's not even, it's not even just that it's like, you know, the reports that have emerged. Like, yeah. He said, coach is thinking he, maybe, right, he, he sat out a game because he, yeah, he sat out a game. His head coach may maybe want to resign rather than continue to coach this team. Obviously the team is struggling. It's just like you add all of that up. And then like, I do think narrative plays into some of these things. And then you have a guy like Randall who, my God, the season from hell last <laughs> year to have turned it around. And now, you know, that's why I think it was like, it actually was meaningful. To get the MVP chance the other night, the other day, I should. He say. said as much, right? I mean, he. Yeah. It's cr- <laughs> uh, there. Someone's going to write a great book about the Julius Randle experience over the last four years because it's been very <laughs> unique. Um, yeah. The last thing I want to say about Julius, because we were just talking about fouls, also is uh, he's getting fouled a ton. He's up to getting fouled on sixteen point one of his shot attempts. That's up from twelve percent last year. Mm. And the, and what you notice, and I and I'm planning on putting something on Twitter about this is he is spamming that rip through step through move. Can you talk about that a little bit more for anybody who may yeah, not? Yeah, of course. So so he'll catch it often on the left side, 
and he'll take one hard dribble left. And then if he gets cut off to his left, because teams don't want him to drive left, he just rips his arms through. And if you're looking at him, he rips his arms through and takes a step to his right, puts his arm right into the defender so that if their arms are anywhere but straight up, they're coming down on him. And he is spamming that. Like he's done it, I would say, 20 times in the last three games. And he's gotten to the line most of those times. And he gets some and ones out of them because he's strong enough to raise up through the arms and get a shot up anyway. And I actually wonder, because he did it a little bit the last couple of years, but he's really onto that move this year, if that's a Jalen Brunson influence. Because oh. that's one of Jalen Brunson's favorite moves. And it feels like Julius has, has taken that move to another level. And he's getting fouled a ton, especially over the last few weeks. Again, and again, talk about easy points, changing your shot diet, finding. So we're, we're, we're ticking up the three-point volume. We're, we're ticking down the long two volume. We're getting more assisted shots at the rim. And we're getting more free throws. Like that is. He doesn't, you know, people just want to say he found his stroke and he did to some extent, but it's more of where he's stroking it from. Yeah. Like he's totally changed his shot diet and that has made him into a really efficient basketball player really for the first time since he's been on the Knicks. Um, And that's incredible. Aside from whether he'll actually make the All-Star team this year, it's been an incredible development. Well, Listen, Andrew gets mad when we when I when we talk about something and then we don't give the the, the listeners what they want. So we're going <laughs> to I want to finish up with another topic or two. But real quick, before we move yeah. on, let's let's make our all star team again. We're what are 38 games in. Um, so automatics, we don't have to pick the starters that I'm not giving you that, Andrew uh, Tatum, Giannis Embiid, and uh, Kevin Durant in, in some order. Those are those are four locks. Um, we're doing Guard locks. Um, do do do. We said Kyrie. He's in. Um, oh, are you, are you purposely out of order here? <laughs> I am purposely out of order here. Is there someone that plays in Cleveland that is a lock for the All Star game? <laughs> do you want it? Eddie Osman. <laughs> did you Did you watch? I didn't see the game live. Oh, okay, I I picked it up. Um, actually, I only noticed it when I was flipping around i think uh we were finishing up uh the post game um and or maybe shortly thereafter and i was looking at the or maybe i was like flip i know you know what it was it was after that because i was flipping around different games and i was like oh this bulls Cavs game is close with like a minute and a half to go in regulation let me turn it on and then i i got to see his uh um donovan mitchell's uh miss miss free throw on purpose uh did the same thing that luca did to the knicks Except Luca didn't clearly violate the uh, the free throw line rule. That is true. Although there is a question about whether Luca hit rim on that. It's a really weird looking angle. I don't yeah, know I've, what he did. I've watched it, but but Mitchell hit rim, but he was like halfway into the lane before the ball hit the rim, which yeah. you can't do. Um, which was a terrible miss by the refs. But yeah, um, he's a lock. He's a lock. He, can I add something real quick? Sure, you may. So I just I gotta admire the world that John Macri lives in, Benji, because me. Yes. What did I do? I do? Why am I getting called out? <laughs> oh no, no, it's not even called out. It's just this sounds like a call out. So let me finish. the The way that you've um, ignored the rest of the sports world, like you've talked more how you've become more and more like Zach Lowe. And when Lowe was here, he talked about how he just like doesn't have time for baseball. And he said on his pod before, doesn't have time for football anymore. The rest of the sports world 
was in one of the more devastating sports moments. And my timeline uh, was like, uh, oh, yeah. DeMar Hamlin. Oh, my gosh, this is crazy. They can't. And that's the only thing I saw. And prayers up to him for just to get that out of the way. Yes, of course. Like, yes. we, we all hope for the best. And I'm scrolling through more doom scrolling. And it's like, oh, my gosh, did I just witness what I thought I did? Yeah. And just randomly sprinkled in. Donovan Mitchell has this. That This is points from John, John Macri. And it was like. <laughs> Oh, wow. So I guess one person's not watching Monday Night Football tonight, at least. <laughs> fucking 71 points. Of course I'm going to watch that. Right, which uh, is why the funniest thing about Donovan Mitchell and honestly, everybody having the night that they had, like Clay going off last night, LeBron ends up with like a quiet 43, is that all of these yeah. great offensive nights yeah. happened on the worst possible night I to know. have them with I the know. rest of the sports world going on. Football, man. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a sport that is. Uh, <laughs> move on. Um, I, I don't want to, uh, I, I thought I, after we texted earlier today, I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do a whole Mitchell thing. Um, just cause I literally, I literally just don't want to, but mm. yeah, it, it's just, it's tough not to tough, not to wonder. That's all. Yeah, it sure is. And to and it's extent, not about this. Sorry. It's, it's not about this game. It, no, of course he's, not. He's, he's, been, he's a Eastern conference, all-star lock capital L Lock. Starter lock. Start. If, yes, the whole. And if he wasn't, and if it wasn't the weird, like the most ridiculous year in NBA history, he'd be an MVP candidate yes. basically in any other year. Um, but this is the strongest MVP. And listen, yeah. he's he still will get on ballots. I no, I, he's been he's been yeah. terrific. He's been as good as they could have ever imagined. And look, to the extent that the debate around Mitchell was about whether he is that guy. I think that if you are some, if you were someone who was on the other side of, you know, we were happy that they didn't spend whatever they needed to spend. I just, I, I think that if you're being genuine about it, that your opinion should at least not to say that you'll be on the other side of it now, but that your opinion has to have shifted a bit because he's at least more that guy than you clearly thought that he was right. Like, the man is 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 phenomenal, and I guess like when you know when I was talking about it before, and I just thought I was higher on him than the average person was. Like they can sense, I, I said I think this guy is as special an offensive player, special offensive guard as we have in the league right now, other than Steph Curry. Like I, that's what I felt. Um, so yeah, he's phenomenal, and we don't have to obviously get into the no, that's the debate, but that's that's what I'll say about it. Is like I, I think. At least that has to shift. We're like, oh, no, this guy is amazing, amazing offensively. Like he just not just because of last night's game, although that helps, but the whole body of work now. I mean, he's just been he's been exceptionally good. <clears throat> um, well said. The uh, man, the start, the front court starters for the East. There's a very real possibility that three of the or that four of the top five MVP finishers Insane. I'm probably I'm probably sliding Luca there a little bit. But Tatum like, should be a guard eligible. I, I just don't really understand that. Like they easily play a lineup with like Smart, Tatum, Brown, Horford, Williams. He's the two. Yeah, I don't think he will be. I think one of him. Yeah, because then you have an easy starting five, right? Then it's Mitchell, Tatum, Embiid, Giannis, and Durant, and that's easy. And that's the five best players in the East. But because of this, because Tatum has to be a forward, one of those four guys is going to be on the bench. So there is a very real possibility that the MVP of the league, because as far as I'm concerned, there are six real capital R real MVP candidates right now. And these are four of them, Tatum, Giannis, Embiid and Durant. And that one of them is not going to start the all-star game is 
insane, but th- neither here nor there. Okay. Um, Mitchell, Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Locke, uh, second best player on the best team. Um, I know some of the advanced stats don't love him. So that's seven. Um, Halliburton I'm putting in yep. as my next guard. Uh, any any dis- disagreement? No, there? I think Halliburton, if you look at the whole body of work of the season, I think has the edge over Julius Randle. I think he's been more consistent. I think from the beginning of the year, he was... Excellent. I think it took Julius a lot of time to become yes. excellent. Um, and I think what he's done for that team, which was supposed to be tanking and is now ahead of the Knicks in the standings, at least yep. at least as we speak. Yep. I don't really see much of an argument for Julius over Halliburton. So that while, he's means- Herbie, while he's Herbiak be damned. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to cut my tongue. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about I was I was hoping to elicit some of them, but all right, if you're not going to go there, no, 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 don't, 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 don't. <laughs> okay, um, so there's so there's our four guards, by the way: Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Tyrese Halliburton. If another guard gets in, and this is why this Wait, gets Bra- a little, do you have Brown as a guard? Bra- Jalen Brown is guard eligible. Both though, right? Or just guard. I, that's an that's an issue. Maybe as we're talking about this, Andrew Andrew uh, the Great Andrew Claudio can can confirm or deny this. I think he is. Well, for Julius' sake, I hope he's a guard only. Um, but okay, yeah. I think it makes yeah. I think it makes the most sense for him to get to get voted on as a guard. Let's assume for the moment, and then hopefully we don't have to change this. Um, that he does. There's your four guards: Mitchell, Kyrie, Brown, Halliburton. So if you want to put a, Har- a Harden in, or a Drew Holiday in, or a Darius Garland in, um, I, I, I Drew Holiday again. Like I get it, and they're a really good team, and he's been maybe the second best player. I'm not so sure that Brook Lopez hasn't been the second best player. So the, we're hold, you're, you're stealing sorry, my sorry, thunder. Sorry. You do this all the time, Benji. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So mad at you. Hmm. Um. No, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, Jalen Brown is a guard. Andrew just texted us. Okay. Um, it's not yeah. true. The I, NBA lists him as a guard. He lists him as a guard. Yes, that is that is correct. Um, so those are our four guards. So the so that means there are two more front court spots after whichever of the four locks doesn't get in. So I think there is an argument that Randall should get, but before we even get to the wild card spots, that Randall should get one of those two front court spots. Cause here are the other names and, and tell me if I'm missing anybody, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler as of right now has played 24 out of a possible 38 games. Whereas Julius Randall has played 38 out of a yeah. possible 38 games. I know Jimmy Butler is everything. And then some to the Miami heat, that discrepancy is enough to put Randall over Butler for me. I don't, know if you disagree it's a tough one for me i i know because you Jimmy Butler, if you're like a basketball is, nerd like one you, is one is just a better player like it is oh, it's, it's, no, no one's disputing that but no of course uh no one's disputing look, that. I, I think i gotta look i feel like miami's like discrepancy when he's play plays and doesn't play is like extreme if i'm not mistaken right oh it's insane yeah, it's insane. It, um, it was mostly on. I haven't looked at it in a bit. It was mostly, not mostly. It was all on the offensive end at the beginning of the season, and they were oddly much better defensively when he wasn't on the court. I don't know if that's equalized a little bit. Um, but he's no, look, look. He's also having just like a Jimmy Butler year. Like nothing's really dropped off when he plays. I mean, yeah. in terms of his efficiency. 
No, um, he's been he's been awesome. He's been awesome, but he's played twenty four games out of a possible thirty eight. All right, I'll go with you. Let's let's. I, I I'm I'm a little tighter on that one because okay. it's Jimmy Butler. I feel like that's. I feel like when the games, when when you miss games, but you have like the resume. I feel I I tend to like be a little more sympathetic to that case. Like Harden is another example where it's just like I know how good that guy is. He's I know we miss him, and generally not so injury. The last couple of years, Harden has been, but like if you're not like a super injury in your own guy, you just happened to miss 12 games in a given year or 14 games in a given year. I'm not going to necessarily penalize the real high pedigree guys, but okay. Uh, definitely an argument though for Randall over Butler at that spot. I'm with you. No box plus minus Jimmy Butler's eighth in the freaking NBA. Um, yeah. So that's pretty good. And he, he has, because of that, he has the edge on, on Randall in the, in the advanced stats. So then if, well, if that's the case, then Bam's not getting on my team. If Butler's getting in, Bam's not getting it. Cause I'm not getting two players from the heat on, on that roster. Damn. You, yeah. Bam's been really good. Bam's been really good. I love putting you in these positions. Bam's been fantastic. really good. I, 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 I don't know how I feel about the team's argument thing. Like how many, like that's where I think Drew Holiday doesn't really have a case, even though the, but like sometimes it has nothing to do with how good your best players are. Like the bucks have one of the best players and then like a really good supporting cast and system that lets them win a lot of games. Like Drew Holiday, I don't think is an all-star this year. I would agree with that. Now, Ben and Jimmy for different reasons and like a depleted heat roster. Like when those guys have played, they have kept them afloat. Like they're top heavy team in some ways. I think Hero's been pretty good this year too, but like his the numbers say he's at least in the conversation, but he's not he's not making it. Oh, Bam! No, oh, Hero. Hero, Hero. What do they? What do the advanced stats say on Bam? Not As great. Um, it's yeah, it's actually pretty bad. His win oh, shares. Okay. Uh, he's thirty fifth in the league. His box plus minus is seventy sixth in the league. Ooh. His value over replacement player is sixty eighth. Out of all of what I would consider, I don't know how many I have here. About twenty what I would consider legitimate candidates for the East All-Stars, he is last if you average out his oh, wow. advanced stats. Interesting. But again, I, I, I don't... I feel like he's a defensive player of the year candidate Like from everything that I've seen of the Heat. Like he still dominates some games on defensive end. Um, all right. Look, I, I agree. I don't think you're getting... I don't think there's a good argument for both of those guys to get in over Randall. I could maybe take one of them. Okay. That's okay. So pick, pick one. I would agree with you. But that then he got Pascal. We haven't got to Pascal. So here's where I'm at. I think... I think Siakam gets in. I yep. think I agree. He's been so freaking good. I mean, not only just filling up the box score, but like when you watch that team, I mean, he's just they're they're having a lot of issues. And but that's I don't think that's Pascal Siakam's fault. I think he gets in. So that leaves Julius competing with for either. So now we're down to one, two, three spots and two spots if you have Harden in, which you do, and I think I probably do as well. That has Julius competing with Jimmy Butler, Brooke Lopez, and one of the Cavs guys. Um, you think, what I mean, Garland or Allen? Yeah, those are the two, I think. I don't, again, like Jared Allen is not an all-star this year. Like, I don't think he is either, but I get, I get from the, from the great Andrew Claudio, every time I'm like, if you get, if you give me the choice between a, a high usage, high volume, like supports his teams, like his, his team's offense rests on largely what he does with the ball in his hands versus a guy who 
Allen does all the things he's supposed to do about as well as you could do all those things. But I'm sorry, I, I, I consider that in a different category than the things that a guy like Julius Randle does. And that's and that's enough for me to make up for maybe the dis- defensive, which, again, I, Allen is a very good defensive player. He's a very good defensive player, but he's not like he's not primary player of the yeah. year. You know, like so like if you're going to be right. So Gobert gets in the all star team because he's the best defender despite yeah. not being a very good offensive player. Like, I don't know if Jar- I know Jared Allen already made an all-star team, but that's the other thing. You'll get a couple of injuries here that hopefully get Julius in regardless. Cause those always happen. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's so take what about a- Garland. What's Garland's case. What do we think? I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of buzz there. He's all, he's another guy that's also missed um, he's played 30 games. He's played th- yeah. So he's, he's played 30 games, which is like right there where you, it might not get too much consideration. Um, but they're hasn't, not getting three, that's for sure. I know we're not doing the, the team he thing. He hasn't not, been quite three. as good this year, um, even when he has played. Obviously, his his role has changed a lot um, yeah. when with the addition. Although his usage is still a third, it's just 1% yeah. down from last year. So it's not like it's changed. And then they stagger them. So he gets to run units um, even when, when Mitchell's off the floor. I don't think he's been quite as efficient this year, Garland. Um I I don't know. I I I feel like but the Cavs are really good and they might get a second all-star. I don't think I don't think Julius is like indisputably above him. I think it's close. I think close. talking this out I bet your Butler gets in. I bet your Harden gets in. Agreed. Siakam pedigree matters. Siakam is getting in. Agreed. And I gotta tell you, well, and I then we're talking about Brooke, Lo- Brooke Lopez, once a net, always a net. Brooke Lopez versus Julius for that last spot. Now, if there's an injury replacement situation, then it won't matter. But like, I bet you, I could see it coming down to Lopez because he has Defensive Player of the Year buzz. He's the second buck, which again, I know that doesn't maybe matter to you, but it, I think it matters to some to yeah. some voters. Um. He is really important to what they do at both ends. He is. I go Randall, but I'm obviously biased. It's a bit of a morass, right? Because yeah, and then we already talked about the DeRozan and the Wizards and all the. I mean, it's a lot of guys. You hope, and I, most likely there will be two. I think, like generally, generally there are two or three injuries that will, I think, sh- definitely get him in regardless. But I, I, I if again, I told you this um, recently, like I, if I had to bet right now, I say he does not make it. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but also we have some time. We have if some time. Keep, if he keeps up this pace, hey, then maybe he makes it a non-argument with some of these guys, you know? Um, I did not expect this to take this long. I'm happy we did this. And like, look, we're, we're almost half the season in. So um, I... I Felt like it was a good enough time and he deserved an episode dedicated to him because he's been that good. Let's hit on something else before you you go. Um, I'll go right to what I always do, which is what's something that's interesting, fun, frustrating, whatever to to the eyes of Benji Ritholtz as he's been watching, as he is, is planning on watching over the coming days and weeks. Grimes. Let's talk Quentin Grimes. Could we? His stats over the last uh, 13 games, I looked it up before, uh, after the Suns game, I pretty much identical to Mikal Bridges' stats for this the whole season. Because um, he's had... Hell yeah! 
because he's had some more usage in the last 13 games with different guys going out and this and that, but like 15 points a game, um, the field goal percentage is up there enough. The three point percentage is there. The volume is there and he's defending. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I mean, I don't know. Talk about it. You, you. I'll let you talk about it, not me. The first thing that, like, it just leaps off the screen is the the um, the quickness with which he makes decisions off the catch. And my favorite thing is like you you'll see Randall or Brunson dribbling on let's say the left wing above the three point arc. And what a lot of teams do, the Knicks do this on defense. A lot of teams do it, especially against guys like Brunson and Randall, is they'll show nail help from the opposite wing, right? So before, as that guy's either, even the triple threat hasn't dribbled yet or starts to dribble, that opposite wing will pull towards the foul line so that that driving lane towards middle is cut off by the nail help, right? You can't do that against Grimes if he's the guy on the opposite wing because, and I think more and more the Knicks are realizing this, like Brunson and Randall are realizing this, if that nail help shows itself, that pass to Grimes needs to happen immediately because you are getting an automatic penetration right to the rim because he catches and goes so quickly that he almost he almost eliminates nail help. You can't help on the nail when Quentin Grimes is one pass away. He's so quick with the ball. And like that's so huge for a guy like because generally teams have 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 schemed the Knicks to load up against especially Randall we know that and now yep. Brunson more and more we're seeing a teams put big wings on Brunson which has been a, a little bit of an issue for him uh, and that also because Barrett's not on the floor that allows teams to do that so like a guy like Bridges for example could guard Brunson because RJ Barrett's not on the floor they could put their weaker defenders on quickly and Grimes but which is why Barrett remains important but they're sticking wings on Brunson. They're loading up on Brunson. And if you can make that initial pass and Grimes just freaking catches and goes one dribble to the rim, either laying it up or hitting that drop off pass to Mitch, man, that's a weapon. And like something that was so, and, and it's, it's stuff that we identified and which was the reason we said he needs to start from the get go. Like just the quick decision making is so valuable to a lineup that doesn't make quick decisions. And he's just, he, he just loosens everything up for them. 
God, it's so great. And like, <laughs> obviously he catches and shoots really quickly and they're going in more and more. And I think he's a, I think he's an A shooter. I think he's a phenomenal three point shooter. What I would like to see a little bit more of, and it's funny because we saw Fournier re-enter the rotation and Julius started running this stuff with Fournier. He runs that little two-man action with the dribble handoffs and he re-screens and it, it brings out a cool side of Julius that we actually was my favorite part of him last year. And there weren't many good parts of him last year, but he did develop a nice little chemistry with Fournier on that kind of action. I want to see him try that stuff with Grimes. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I want them to treat Grimes a little bit less like, or I guess less like rookie year bridges and more like now bridges. We're like, let him do a little bit more, like ease him into it, but like a little DHO game. Like he doesn't just have to be catch and shoot or attack closeouts. Like I, I don't need him to run a bunch of pick and roll, but like DHO stuff with Julius on the second side, like I'd love to see that. And then also I think he needs to be, it, the team needs to kind of treat him like, Hey, if this guy has any space, the ball's got to get to him. Like right now, I don't think that it's quite at that level. Like where he's like, where, where Julius or RJ are thinking like, Oh, if, if, if Grimes man helps it all, that ball's got to go right to him. Like I want them to treat him that way. Cause I think he's that level of a shooter. And then if again, with adding that closeout element, the attack and the closeout element, like God, he's, he's everything you could have hoped for. Um, he's a joy to watch. The defense is, I know a lot of uh, analytics have come out recently that like yeah. he's a top defender. I know he takes the matchup difficulty. And the crazy thing to me is like, he still makes a lot of dumb mistakes. Which is yeah. to be expected. How many games has he played? He fouls a lot of jump shooters. Under 82 so far, I think, in his career. Yeah, he fouls. He hasn't played a full season yet. He fouls a lot of jump shooters, not just the DeRozan one, but like in general, he fouls a lot of jump shooters. Never thinks he fouls anybody. Funny thing. About <laughs> he makes that face. So. Yeah. Um, but it's only going to get better because he's going to get smarter about what he's doing on the defensive end. I don't think he's like fully figured it out yet. And just like his ability to move his feet get skinny on screens um, to rotate quickly. Like he's, it's all going to come together. And I think you have a elite role player on your hands. So um, that's something. 1500 minutes for his career, 73 games, only 28 starts. So yeah, we're, we're, we got a ways to go. A couple numbers uh, at the rim this year. He is 40 of 56 shooting 71%. At the rim. All on inside hand layups. That yeah. man exclusively takes right-handed underhand layups on the left side, and it works. I'm not criticizing it, although I, you know, maybe he can mix in a left hand here and there. But that's literally the only kind of shot. He, he, the, the underrated part, like we talk about three and D, that man's got hops. He jumps very high, and he's an explosive leaper, so he gets up quickly, and he's able that to, he's able to finish over rim protection that way. So that, that doesn't shock me. I mean, it's not a hard diet of layups, I'm sure, because he generally is, you know, taking layups it's not taking tough floaters or anything like that which would lower that percentage but doesn't surprise me he's a really good finisher in there um and in regards to his dumping off to mitchell robinson um rj barrett unsurprisingly has the most assists this season to mitch he has 16 assists to mitchell robinson Jalen best law passer best law passer on the team rj yes and unsurprisingly the starting point guard has the second most assists to um mitchell robinson with 15 after that it's grimes with 11, which is wow. more than Julius and uh, more than the rest of the team after Julius combined. So, uh, yeah. And uh, on the, um, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Oh, yeah. So, this is, <laughs> talk about a 
quirky stat. On passes from R.J. Barrett, I don't know what this says. Quentin Grimes is one of 13 from deep on passes from R.J. Barrett. On passes from Miles McBride, he's 7 of 10. <laughs> I don't, I'm just looking at his passing dashboard. I don't know what that any of that says, but I just... It means absolutely nothing. Okay. That's fine. Maybe. I don't know. I, I have to look back at the passes. I mean, I don't think McBride's really penetrated all that much and gotten good looks for people, but when he does, that's possible. I just um, that I but, what I, but I will say about that, that drop-off pass that he has, I do think teams are going to start reading it better. Mm. I think it's so sudden. He goes so quickly, and, I, and he's a pretty new player in the league. I don't think teams have kind of adjusted to him yet. I do think teams are going to challenge him to finish more on that play, and he's going to have to do it. And I do think the teams are also going to drop harder into the paint. He's going to have to see the pass to the corner and to the weak side. Like that drop-off pass isn't always going to be there. We actually yeah. saw one stolen in the last game against Phoenix. Yes, 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 yes. And yes, I do yes, think yes. that's going to happen more as teams kind of, you know, they play a guy enough. You, you got to feel for what he likes to do. I think teams are going to, and, and it'll be on the scouting report. So like force him, make him finish over you, right? He's jumping from pretty far away and he's, and then the broom protector is leaping with him and he's dropping that pass off. So like our rim protector is going to stop jumping for that. Are they going to stay home a little bit? Is he going to be able to hit a floater? Is he going to be able to hit layups when, when the, when the bigs just has his arms up and he's not jumping. And then if everybody collapses, can he make that pass to the weak side? I think those are all kind of next step things for him that I'm looking for as the season goes on and he gets more and more experience and teams get used to him and he gets used to playing and all of his teammates and all that. Definitely something to look for. Well said. Um, I think I covered they can cover basically everything I want to talk about. I feel bad we didn't shout out Mitch. Mitchell Robinson's. I was going to say. It, his on off numbers are like fake numbers. I have yes. to do a mea culpa because yeah. your boy here has been doing a lot of eye rolling at that. Con- Every time I'm on here, I eye roll his contract and you laugh at me. And you know what? He's earned every penny this year. He has. He's earned since every penny. He, since he's been back in the starting lineup, um, the Knicks have a. It's like a fake. No, they're like plus 16 or something per hundred possessions. And, and he, it's like 600, 600 minutes too. He, it's, it's wild um, how well they're playing with him in there. And that's not obviously all him. In, and in, and part of that number is the fact that the starting five, when it is intact has dominated and he's this member of the starting five that plays the, the fewest amount of minutes. Um, yep. But, and his, and his backup hasn't been very good. Hopefully uh, no, we, we don't have to have a Hartenstein discussion on this, on this podcast. Uh, oh, very last thing. Um, RJ's out uh, for the, the hell we, oh yeah, Spurs. Um, I'm, I'm bet, betting. We, we may, there may be a couple games here where RJ's not in. Uh, are you, are you excited slash enjoying the, the Emmanuel quickly plus starting five? Unit? Love. Quickly with that lineup. Um, I really like how it looks, despite what I said before about them being able to throw their bigger defenders on on Brunson, which is a real thing. Um, but I do like this lineup a lot. I like quickly playing off of Brunson and not having to do all the ball handling. I do think when he's in there, I'd like them to see like he can run a few more possessions. I thought he barely touched the ball in some some parts of that game and He's too good for that. Like I know Brunson and Randall soak up a lot of usage, but there's no reason IQ can't run some pick and roll to, to initiate possessions here and there. I like him a little bit toned down with the usage. I like him getting more catch and shoot opportunities, which he's starting to make a little bit more of. I like him attacking from the second side, getting to that floater. Um, 
And then defensively with him and Grimes flying around, it just changes things um, for that defense and the, the way they can rotate. So I really like that lineup a lot with, with Grimes quickly and Brunson out there. I think even when RJ comes back, it should be a lineup that they play here and there, get a few minutes in the game with that lineup. Cause I think it looks good. Um, and Hey, we've been asking for Emmanuel quickly to start games for three years. So like, it's yeah. fun to watch him start games and do his thing. And, um, he, he does. I mean, you know, we, we, we know what he does, what he brings. Uh, he's been, he's been so good. And look, Mitch, just stay healthy, stay. And, and the foul trouble issues have gone away uh, for the most part. He's playing, which early in the season was a problem. He's the best or second best offensive rebounder in the game. Like someone put it, who did I, who saw someone said that his offensive rebounding is the single best skill on the Knicks. I think that's probably right. Like, Oh, was it the, your interaction with Fred Katz or something? I don't remember. The, it's impossible to no overstate. That was a separate. <laughs> no. What did he say? It's Mitchell Robinson's. <laughs> he said it's impossible to overstate. So I said Mitchell Robinson's offensive rebounding is the single greatest skill in the entire NBA. In the entire NBA. Um, I overstated it. Yeah. No, but it, it is probably true about the Knicks. Like if you actually look at like the single best skill on the team might be Mitchell Robinson's offensive rebounding. And that's what he brings to the table. And it's massive. And especially again, this team is top 10 in offense, despite not shooting the ball very well. And that's because they get a ton of second chances to shoot the ball, <laughs> right? Like it's a direct line. Like they get, they get more opportunities um, because of him. And so, yeah, I look, Mitch is earning it right now. I got it. He's got to stay healthy, keep going, keep doing it. Not to say that he can't miss games here and there. Most seven footers do, but like generally let's stay healthy. Let's stay focused. Let's stay. Let's not have any San Antonio. You know what? Yeah. Do some stuff to Yaka Pertle. All right. Like, I don't want to see him dominate again because that was disappointing. So that's a good good place to start to keep it going is his next game against San Antonio to to show up big time and get that win. Speaking of Pirtle, Pirtle's fourth in the NBA in offensive rebounds per game behind uh, Mitch and Clint Capella are actually tied for second at 4.3 a night. Capella plays a little bit more minutes and then Stephen Adams is grabbing 5.1 offensive rebounds per game, which is by the way, and they're all great offensive rebounders, but it also has to do with your team's shot diet. That's something the Knicks have taught me this year. Oh, yeah. If you all those teams take a ton of floaters, Trey and Ja are two of the largest volume floater shooters in the league. Brunson takes a lot of floaters. RJ takes a lot of floaters. So like when the big has to come out on a floater, that's when your offensive rebounds opportunities come. And the Knicks have kind of built their offense around that, which is really cool and smart. And um, it's worked out great. And yeah, Mitch is a huge part of it. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Uh, Benji, anything else before we go? No, I want you to go watch White Lotus. That's <laughs> good. Gets good down the stretch. I got two episodes left, so I'm going to go do that with my wife now. Um, I, just shout out your what? Shout out your Twitter handle. What are you? At Ben Reholtz MBA is my Twitter handle. Um, uh, yeah, putting stuff out there all the time. Uh, definitely a little low on volume little lower usage over the holiday uh, season, which was just because family and kids were in home and whatever. So it is what it is, but we'll get gearing back up, baby. Gearing back up as we uh, go forward here. So excited. Giddy up for that. Uh, ben, you're the best. Uh, I love when you come on. It's, it's always an education for me and everybody listening. Uh, and to everybody listening, thanks for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We'll be back with you uh, with more fun and games very soon. Don't forget, like this video if you're watching on the old YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. And, of course, follow us on social media at Nick Film School. That's S-K-O-O-L. 
We will talk to you soon. Peace out. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.